Well, we are in the, the third work, uh, third work, the third week of a series entitled Envisioning a New Day. And as um, we started, the, the recognition was this, that it's about um, what we can see or what we hope for, what we desire. And there's a lot of things, right, in our lives where that's true. You can think of things um, right now, one or two things especially, maybe many more, that you hope will change or will be different. And you can picture and understand and try to and grasp a little bit about what that looks like, about what that might mean. So if this is current reality and this is what it is, then you can look and say, well, I would envision or hope that it would be this. And we can do that about an infinite number of things. And we're looking at a few things that have to do with who it is that we are as individual followers of Jesus Christ, but then together as the body of Jesus Christ that have to do with spiritual matters, about who it is that we are and who it is that we'll be. And we started out the first week looking at and envisioning what it means to be united in word and spirit with God and with each other. And, and, and you know, I would submit to you out of, out of everything, there, there's nothing more important than being in a right relationship with God. And how awesome it is when that's true of people together. When they're united in spirit and when they're united in word. It's an incredible thing. God does great things and works through that unity to accomplish his purposes. It's a great and a beautiful thing. Right relationship. And then last week we looked at what that means as partners in the gospel. And thought about what that looks like, looking at the truth of Philippians 1, 2 to 6, about how we define our relationship together as followers of Jesus, and then what that means and how that plays out as we simply be, as we follow Jesus from day to day with, with purpose, with understanding his plans in, in his hand, in our heart, and in our lives. And everybody can work together to achieve something far more than ourselves, beyond who it is that we are, partners in the gospel. And I, and I said um, last week that I don't like the M word. I meant member. I just don't, how that translates and what that looks like and really in some ways what it's become in the church in terms of, of entitlement and it puts the focus on the person rather than on God. And I took a lot of ribbon um, from our staff about that at our staff meeting. I just wanted to share that with you. They had a lot of fun with me. I uh, said, like, don't use the M word, you know. That's okay. And today um, we move a, a, another step in terms of seeing how that all comes together. So envisioning a day when we're united in word and spirit, partners in the gospel, and, and today thinking about what it means to be equipped and empowered. Equipped and empowered. Some of that is, is a little catchy, I think, in, in culture. Empowerment, personal empowerment, what that looks like. But we're going to focus on that from a spiritual matter from the way that God speaks about being equipped and empowered. And there's some great truth that we're going to look at in just a minute in, in Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. But I want to share a story 
um, with you prior um, about something that happened in my life because it has to do with equipping and empowering. And it's the story I would call of, of a new red bike. And so when I was um, 11 or 12, right in that area, um, I, I had this desire to get a new bike. And the reason I had to, it was a burning passion because my friends um, all had cool bikes. Yeah, and I didn't. Um, they, they, and it seemed like it was like, like this one thing, like one got a new bike and then it just was this domino effect. And all of a sudden, and so we would go different places in our neighborhood and ride around. We weren't a gang or anything, but we'd just ride around on our bikes. And um, so they had new three speeds and 10 speeds. And I had this old clunker bike. And I didn't, I've told some of you about my, um, my childhood. I didn't dare ask my mom. I, my mom was a single mom and I knew there was no money for a new bike. And so I was just kind of like, oh, man, I got this clunker bike. The wheels barely turn on it. You know, we'd go somewhere. Everybody else is there for 20 minutes, and then I show up. You know, I'm huffing and puffing. <laughs> you know, maybe got a little envious of their cool bikes. Yeah, that might have happened. But, but um, I, I had a neighbor that was um, my spiritual dad, and uh, he, he kind of noticed, I think, and I, I probably groused about it. And he said, you want a new bike? And I said, yeah. He said, I can help you. I can help you get it. And I started to listen. So here's what unfolded. Uh, he, he bought me a lawnmower. And then he showed me how to work it and how to keep it up. And I started out and I got mowing jobs all kinds of them, and, and started to cut grass on um, people's houses. And I had three of the four um, gas stations uh, up, up on the big corner where I lived. And so all summer long, I started to cut grass. And something funny happened. Um, he had conversations with me about it. And I learned things that I didn't know that I was learning I learned about um, integrity and honesty, what that meant when you do a job like that. I, I learned about perseverance. There's a lot of times I didn't feel like cutting grass on a Saturday. I learned about faith and trusting God. He would always be talking to me about these things all the way through. And you know, the day came um, towards the end of the summer when I had enough money to buy that bike. And so I took my cold, hard cash, and I went and I bought my bike. I plunked it down, got the bike, brought it home. I think I rode that bike for maybe three years. But here's the story. I, I really learned so much more that's lasted a lifetime. It took somebody coming alongside of me and helping me to see who I, I really was and what I could do, that I was equipped and empowered. It was a, a lifelong lesson, and it's led to so many other things as I've grown and matured in Jesus Christ. And that's what this truth this morning is about, about learning and discovering who we really are in Jesus Christ, who we can be as a follower of Jesus, but who we can be together as a body. 
and how awesome it is that there are people like Mr. B in our lives. That's what I called them. That see the worth in people and will come alongside of them and help them grow and learn and be all that they can be for Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. This morning's text is Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. It's a full one, so I hope you came ready to eat because you could get stuffed. It's going to be really good. Open up your hearts and listen to the truth that God gives to us this morning. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. They will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up unto him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of God. Might it be written in our hearts and lived in our lives. So this is... I, I think I probably say this every Sunday, and that's because it's true. This is just a powerful passage. It's got so much here for us to pull out and draw and to apply and live in our lives. So incredibly relevant. And the first thing that I'd like to, to start to, to share with you is right there in verse 11. And, and it says, it, it was he who gave son to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. And if you were to go to Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, you'd see that over again. And, and in a bigger passage, emphasis on what just verse 11 touches on. But, but it's really profound. And, and I want you to think about what that's saying to you personally. And if we were to get into Romans 12, and I encourage you to read those passages in 1 Corinthians 12, you'd see what it's saying in a very specific way, and that is that you are gifted. Each and every person is gifted. That is, here, that's listening online, gifted. You know, sometimes we, 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 figure, we, we think about it in terms of how the world sees things, and then when you, they use the word gifted in the world, what does that mean? Somebody who has exceptional um, talent or skill in a particular area. So if somebody knows how to play the, the violin and it's sweet, sweet music, and they're just, they just excel at it, they are gifted. Or if they, they play sports at a level that's beyond almost everybody else, they're gifted. They're a gifted athlete. And I want you to rethink that in terms of how God is, is sharing it in this passage. Not that you, you would be exceptional, but that you are indeed gifted. Because sometimes we think that only belongs to a few, right? Especially when we start maybe to put it in the, in the categories of, of spirituality and of serving God and what that means and what that looks like. 
God wants you to know that you are gifted. He's blessed everybody by the power of his spirit and presence in their heart and lives. Everybody who knows Jesus Christ is gifted. No exceptions. You know, there's no sidelines. There's no, well, sorry, you, you didn't get the gifts. No, everybody is gifted. And everybody has different gifts. And that's how this passage starts, and then it works into that. Different gifts to meet all needs. And that's so incredibly important to recognize and to understand as well. First of all, because then you know that there are, there are no sidelines. There's no, um, no reality or, or reason why it is that you couldn't serve or use your gifts in the body of Jesus Christ. No, it's diversity by design. God gave everybody different gifts for very important reasons. And the church has kind of struggled with this at times. Part of it comes down to, and I don't think that's true here. I don't believe it at all. But, but I have served in some churches and maybe even in some ministries where it seems like people think that this is the only person with a gift. So one person has to either do it all or they're the only ones who can do it. Not true. And, and I've seen people take on that, that understanding and what happens? They get burned out. They get frustrated. And it's a mess for people too, by the way. Now, we recognize that there's diversity by design, that God has gifted people in different areas and ministries so that things would go exceedingly well. And, and sometimes people get a stranglehold on something, and there's people who could do it better. That's just the way that it is. Or people try to spin too many plates. I use that analogy a lot. Rather than focusing on the things that, that God really blessed them with and gave them gifts in. One person not only can do it well or can do it all, they're not supposed to. That's not how God created and designed the church. And any other group or organization, indeed, that, that you've been a part of. But spiritually speaking, it's about the church and being able to have everybody participating, working, and, and helping in the body of Jesus Christ. And that's where verse 12 goes into. So these gifts were given to meet all of the needs. And then you read verse 12 to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Built up. To prepare it to, to grow, to do things in ministry that are good and great. Diversity by design. It, it, it's so wonderful how God has made the church. And, and I think we understand that that all serving, all using their gifts and being able to use them in an area that is, is in our sweet spot spiritually. That's the importance of knowing your spiritual gifts. You know, and, and, and when that doesn't happen, again, it creates a, a lot of bad situations and scenarios for people who are, who are um, if, if a church takes a warm body approach, 
You, you get people who aren't gifted. That's not good for the participants, and it's not good for the person. And, and there's some struggles there and sometimes failures. And I, I, I can't tell you how many times it's me. I tried that once. I'm not doing it again. And then you take a spiritual gift, and you realize that that's not your area of giftedness. So it's so important to, to know your gifts, what they are, how God has, has blessed you. And I think we understand this idea of, of diversity by design and people serving in those areas, right? I call it specialization. You know, God was, we, we have that in our world today, right? People that do things because that's what they do very well. And so you think about your car. If you wanted to have work done on your transmission, you wouldn't go to an oil change place, right? Maybe they do those really well and they got that down. But if you would take your car there and say, hey, I need work done on my transmission, they'd kind of look at you like, well, we don't do that. No, you'd go to McLean's or some other place. Specialization. How about health? If you need a knee replacement, are you going to go to your dentist? Yeah, it's, that's true. And we have specialists in healthcare fields. You know, it's worse, if, so that's where we would go. But if you had a knee problem and your dentist said, hey, I'll do that for you, would you take them up on it? No, we, we want, and I hear people say that all of the time, I'm going to somebody and they're really good. They've done hundreds of these. They have experience. They're a specialist. They know what they're doing. See, God was way ahead of all of that. Before the world caught on to specialization, he created the church that way. He gave everybody gifts to excel at, to know who it is that they are, and so they can use those gifts in a profound and in a wonderful way. What does it say to prepare and build up the church? The problem is when, when that's not being employed, that's when the church doesn't get built up or grow or, or in ministry and in, and in impact. Praise be to God. Um, we, we recognize that. We get that. Everybody here has an opportunity to know what their gifts are. Pa- Pastor Kathy will, will sit down with you, help you fill one out. So there doesn't have to be any question. And not only fill them out, but help you get engaged in ministry so that preparing and building up the church, all important. And there's incredible results. And here's part of where I want you to think um, personally as well. Because yes, there's a lot of truth about the body of Jesus Christ here. This, this is written to the church, and it reads like it's written to the church. But I want you to think about individually. What would happen if you knew your gifts and you were using them and engaged in them? And some of you can share because it's exactly where you're at and how you're living your life. Praise the Lord for that. And, and all of you probably in some way. I didn't, didn't mean to be uh, exclusive there of anyone. But indeed, when that's happening and when, when that's it's how you're functioning, that's who you're being, 
I, I love what comes next. It says, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And then these three results, until we reach, verse 13, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Three results when that happens in our hearts, in our lives, and in our churches. Unity in the faith. We begin to grasp and understand who it is that God is. And who it is that we are and the relationship that we share with him. I want to submit to you, if you you begin to trust and know who God is, and I think of faith and knowledge of God and how those work together, when you really start to be And so when does, a, when does a teacher realize that they can teach? When they teach. When is it that somebody who, who knows that they have the gift of service really figures that out? When they begin to serve, on and on it goes. The being part is so important. And when you're all on the same page and you're understanding that and you're working together and, and you and your heart and in your life have, have unity with God, th- that's when you begin to know him. When you're trusting, you're understanding because he speaks all throughout his word about who he is and who you are. When that begins to happen, that's when that knowledge of God starts to, to grow. And so when God speaks about you being fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, that you're knit together, he knit you together in his mother's womb, fearfully, wonderfully, in a profound way. Then he speaks about gifting you and having plans for you in your heart and in your life. When do you start to realize that, that that's true, and that God didn't make it up, and he's not kidding you? When you start to be. See, all of those things start to, to happen. And that's God's plan. That's his desire. Spiritual maturity, all of those things working together. And so th- throughout the years, I, I can, can look back and think about things and, and, and times when I, I wondered about if, if God had the right guy or if there were things that I could do that he was calling me to do. And it took doing this and starting to step and trust and walk and believe. And then, of course, the partnerships and the gospel, all of those things. And God, it was amazing. That's his desire for you personally and for a body of Christ to gather to grasp and understand, but it happens by being. You know, I, I think of the knowledge of God, about knowing who it is that God is and trust and faith. If you never give him an opportunity to demonstrate that he's your God, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he'll help you through any situation, and you stay in the boat. If you, that's how you function, you'll never understand and know what a big God it is that loves you. I think about that all of the time. 
the bigness of God and how way too often in our hearts and our lives, both individual followers of Jesus Christ and as a church, we keep God in this little tiny box. But when we start to be, use our gifts and we do that together and we start to to function how it is that he designed us to, unity in the faith, knowledge of God, spiritual maturity, when those things start to happen, somehow, some way, our perception, not, not who it is that God is, our perception of God changes. And we start to grasp and understand who it is that he is more and more and more spiritual maturity. See, and God doesn't desire us to stay infants in Jesus Christ. And there's a couple of places where it speaks about that. You know, you should be eating steak now, but you're still drinking milk. I mean, he speaks about being spiritually grown up here, about being spiritual grown-ups but the results are are, are amazing and powerful. He has so many plans and so many thoughts and desires for us personally. And as you think about how we're living our life in the world today, how important it is to be spiritually mature and a spiritual grown-up because we live in a crazy world. You know, I'd look at verse 14 and I'd say, yeah, that's where we're at. Do you see the words? you remember them? So that we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men or people and their deceitful scheming. There's a lot of waves going on. There's a lot of winds. That's culture. God says, no, I, I want you to to be grounded, to be rooted, to have unity in in me, to know who I am. So you have some solid ground to stand on in your lives as you try to navigate this craziness and the chaos that exists in the world today. He, He desires good and great things for us. And so that's the calling And he wants us to be equipped and empowered to live lives as salt and light, as followers of Jesus Christ. In a way that just doesn't help us survive, but in ways that helps us thrive. In our hearts and and in our lives. And being spiritual grown-ups is so important. I I think about that. And I think about what that looks like. And how that helps us avoid chaos, division, distractions, being spiritually mature, people of faith, great faith. What that looks like and what that means. And it leads to this, verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 
Can you see that? Can you envision that? I mean, you think about that maybe in, in your house, in your family. You think about that maybe at work in terms of what that might look like there. But in the body of Jesus Christ, it's a beautiful picture. It's something really great to envision. When, when people are functioning as fully equipped and empowered followers of Jesus Christ, and there's enough of it to see it that, that brings praise and joy. You know, when I stop and I think about, about Rehoboth and the different people that are serving and the things that they're doing, I think about our children's ministry, our youth ministry, Thursdays, food distribution, life groups, worship, all different kinds of things. If I left somebody out, I didn't do it by purpose or on purpose. It's just a great thing to think about. All the different people that God has brought together and the things that they're doing and the impact that it's making. I, I love it. It's great. It's awesome. And, and then I envision what it can look like in the future even as people are fully equipped and empowered. And, and everybody is working and serving and doing the things that God has for them to do in their heart and in their lives. It's, it's a beautiful thing to think about. Anybody going to watch the Super Bowl tonight? All right. Um, I'm, I'm hoping and planning on it. You realize there's two teams that haven't been there in a long time, right? The Rams and the Bengals. And I think one of the things, if you'd stop and you'd think about those teams... And then I think about other teams that have achieved some really great success in history, whatever that would mean. I think about what is it about that team that got them to the Super Bowl? Have you listened to any of the interviews of the coaches and the players? Maybe you have in the past, maybe not these two particular teams. But there's this common thing that always comes out if they interview coaches or players. They'll talk about about, you know what, we, we're all in. We understand our purpose. And we're all there together. Everybody knows their roles. Everybody does their job on this team. Nobody's above the team. They, they focus on it. And we work together, and that's why we're here. Some people call it chemistry. There, there's unity. That's a profound and a wonderful thing. We see it in sports and in other organizations or groups. What happens when, when everybody comes together and they're focused on a singular thing? Great things happen. And I would submit to you, it, it's, it's even more so, of course, in the church, in the body of Jesus Christ. I love that last part. Everything's held together, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's, it's a great thing to see. And then the last part of 13, and I wonder about this. Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, what is that? Have you attained the whole measure of the fullness of Christ in your heart and in your life in terms of who you're being? 
I don't think that's true for anybody. But what a great thing to try and to strive for. No greater thing. You know, these sports teams and stuff, they're trying to achieve a legacy of being the best at whatever it is that they would play, whether it's basketball, football. Yeah, I think of the Olympics going on right now. And I think of all of the things that we strive to do well in our lives. There is nothing greater. There's nothing greater. Nothing will leave a more lasting impact. And nothing will last forever other than striving to be the best follower of Jesus that you could possibly be. Good news. God has equipped and empowered you to be whatever it is that you can see, whatever it is you can envision for yourselves. It's profound to think about. And that's something that I'm hoping that um, when we think about envisioning a new day and how that can be together as partners in the gospel, about what would it look like to be more intentional, more focused on equipping and empowering. And when I think of that, I have to immediately go to, my mind goes to younger people or to people not here yet, people just starting out a relationship with Jesus Christ. How is it that we can come alongside of and be, in, in my life, in my experience, a Mr. B? How can I be that person who helps somebody see that it's more than possible in God to do whatever it is that you have in your heart and in your mind? I think that's biblical. Ask and you will receive. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things in Christ who what? Who strengthens me. What would it look like if everybody who was a part of this body, young and old alike, believed that, bought into what it is that God is saying, and then we strived to come alongside of in mentoring relationships to equip and empower everybody? Something that God has laid on my heart and that you'll be hearing more about in the future equipping and empowering to be partners in the gospel, to be united in his word and in his spirit. To make an impact, but that's next week. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. I thank you for who it is that you've made each person gathered today to be. Lord, I pray that when they think about that, who, who am I really? Why am I sucking air? Why, oh God, did you, did you make me who you made me to be that they would know the answers? I mean, you reveal it in your word, oh God, and you, you knit them together in a certain way to be. And Lord, not only they would know it, but they're experiencing it. Lord, how beautiful it is to see when somebody understands their gifts and they're using them and what that means in their life, that they discover their great worth to you, O oh God, and how that impacts your kingdom. Even things that we think are, are insignificant, but God, have a lasting impact. Make a difference in a person's life for your glory, for your honor. Lord, I praise you for that. To see it, to taste it, to know it, it's a great and awesome thing. That's your desire, that's your plan for everybody and for us together. So, Lord, 
might it be? Might we be equipped and empowered to build up the body of Jesus, have unity in faith, knowledge of God, and to become spiritually mature, to walk with you and experience your goodness in profound and wonderful ways as the great Lord our God. It's in the name of Jesus we pray for these. Amen.